Welcome back to another episode of The Rest, a podcast where you get to hear the rest of the story and where we continue the conversation that Sunday started. I'm your host, Jared Jacobus, and we have a first-time guest on today, Carmen Smith. How Hello, are you? everybody. Jerry, I'm doing great. I'm uh, slightly offended that this is my first time ever on the podcast. Yeah, but I uh, mean, I've tried. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, have to take that up with hard. Joel. Yeah, he's a... Uh, yeah. He stonewalled you for a little yeah. while, but, but we got I'm you on. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, how are you? Um, I'm doing well. Yeah, today. family. How's family? So the family is good. We, uh, you know, just had a long weekend, um, and so my children have been at home mm-hmm. um, while their father is attempting to work at home and coexist. Yeah, that's always so, hard. Yeah, it's it's uh it's Wednesday. February 21st and my kids went back to school today and honestly it was it was a lovely moment That's in good. the house that this always morning. feels amazing yeah, send the does. kids off yep there's something about you that's a first for being on the podcast what is it do you know what it is um am I the first female well you are but that's not that's okay. not what I was getting at I knew you'd say that <laughs> what is it so we're both Enneagram 8s. Oh my gosh. Can you, you believe fight? that? Yeah, let's fight. <laughs> so you're a you're an eight wing seven. I am an eight wing seven. I'm so an eight wing nine. Are you? So yeah. you tend more towards the peacemaking. Yeah. So side. while so we both want to get our way, right? Oh, indeed. And you we do. do it like forcefully and directly. <laughs> and I have to do it in a manner that's like way more subtle to make the other people think it's their idea. Wow. You know? So, Yours sounds uh, manipulative, Jerry. It kind of is. And That's what it says. mine sounds just like blunt yeah. and, and, you know, forward. It's not like an endearing quality. I like to claim the seven wing because, you know, that's like life of the party. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the name the of the seven? One. Yeah. And so I like to claim that because that's what I am. You are. So I'm like a bright, shining forceful, sun. but then <laughs> I can be a whole lot of fun. Add a little sparkle to that's it. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, some people are weirded out by the Enneagram. I know. You know, there's like so many things to it, but I will say that the social typing of it is like separate from all of the I agree the other with that. Weird yeah. stuff. Yeah. So. People really do get in a, a in a little bit of a hiccup around it, but yeah. I I don't know. I'm a, I'm an Enneagram fan because when you read an 8 and then when I'm able to kind of see the like healthy version of an 8 and unhealthy, yeah. It pegs me pretty yeah. good. And it's so good with working with other people it if is. you know their type. Yeah. My dad uh used to be on staff somewhere and on like the doors um when you entered into everyone's office, it had what their Enneagram yeah, really? number That's was. Cool. Yeah. So you know how to handle the Yeah, you kind of knew. You're like, oh, it just like, yeah. So it's like I'm coming into That's cool. We need to do that. Yeah, we should. I need a big eight on my door. Me too, Jerry. Let's do that. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So we're going to recap the message. Carmen's message this last Sunday was on prayer and creating space in our lives for God. She started with asking the question, when we wake up, when we lay our heads down at night, when we're standing in line for our coffee, what are the thoughts that are coming to our minds? Are we thinking about Jesus or are we trying to fill that space with something else? The scripture she referenced was John 15, 1 through 6. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. With every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will, even, so that it will be even more fruitful. We are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. 
Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Carmen drew parallels between the care required to produce a fine wine and the spiritual nurturing necessary for growth and connection with God. She also spoke on the importance of abiding in Jesus to cultivate a life marked by spiritual fruitfulness and transformation. Carmen then touched on that we as humans often abide in fear, greed, materialism, success, regret, self-fulfillment, and or self-consumption. Whatever we abide in determines the fruit in our lives. Carmen gave us another way of thinking about abiding in Jesus and that abiding in Jesus is to make our home in Jesus as he makes his home in us. That we occupy two spaces at once, whether we're at the grocery store or making dinner for our family, we're also in the presence of our Lord. She then called us to contemplate the question, are we giving God space to come into our lives, to be with us, sit with us, to see him for who he is? Carmen ended with reading Romans 8, 35 through 39. In that passage, it's exclaiming that there's nothing in all creation that can separate us from the love of God. Is there anything you want to add to that? Any important things I missed? That was a very good overview. Yeah. You must have been paying attention. I paid attention. And I and I, I re-pay attention okay. when I watch the video. <laughs> you, you cheat a little bit. A little bit. Okay. Um, I want to start off by saying that Everyone needs to hear this message. That's um, kind of you to say. You know, it's easy to say that about all of our messages. Right. You know, we kind of like like to promote them and think that yes. there's a lot of good that can come from them. But this message in particular was so rich and profound. It, it's a must watch. Thank you. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Good. So what led you to want to speak on creating space in relation to our relationship with God? Yeah. So... um I, I shared a little bit that this is kind of a journey that I've been on. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I've done a lot of reflection over the past year or so of my uh, general pace in life. Um, I am a busybody. Yeah. I love to-do lists. I love to get things done. Once something is done, I like to talk about the next thing that needs to get done. Yeah. Uh, my husband would say that a year ago, I would guilt him if he took naps. <laughs> I would be <laughs> like, funny. there's no time to nap. Like, get up. You have things there's to too do. too much to do. Yeah. And so, uh, I've started to, you know, realize that that way of living, because um, you can you can put that, you know, I can attach that to my, the, my work, the way I raise my, you know, kids, the way I kind of situate our family. And it's it's very, very unhealthy. Yeah. And so I've gone on a journey of uh, really trying to slow down. And uh, I think that honestly, at the heart of following Jesus is uh, at least to be concerned about our pace. Yeah. And so um, there's an author, John Mark Comer, who I referenced on Sunday. Um, He's uh, written several books that have been like, so formational to me. Uh, one of them is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And then he just, in January, came out with his most recent book, which is called Practicing the Way, Be With Jesus, Become Like Jesus, and Do As He Did. Yeah. And he simplifies what it looks like to follow Jesus in this, be such a, it's so profound um, 
And it, it really like, at least for me, it stirs in me the desire to do that. And so the first section is all about space and being yeah. with Jesus and how you, you know, in order to follow Jesus, you have to have space for him where you are with him. And so, uh, yeah, that the timing of all of it with me already kind of not crashing and burning with my pace, but knowing that if I kept going that way, I was going to. Yeah, for sure. And then this book coming out and all of my, you know, efforts. I'm trying to be transformed and to move into the person of Jesus. And what does that look like? And so for me right now, uh, this is kind of the journey I'm on. Yeah, it's a simple set of words, but it's mm -hmm. a very profound and, and robust sentiment behind it. Yeah, it certainly is. Can you share more about how creating physical and mental space has impacted your personal walk with Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, the the part of this uh, section about being with Jesus that was very, very impactful for me was the idea that we are already filling that space with something. Yeah, that's true. So it's, you know, it's not, a, a lot of people will say that they can't follow Jesus because they don't have time or they, you know, well, I have kids. So then therefore my mornings, I don't have quiet time with God because my kids are up. And and I understand that there are seasons in different situations where you really have to work harder to create it. Um, but I, you know, I started to just do honestly a little bit of you know, introspection and looking around and knowing that like, I do, I do fill my space with things. Yeah, I am there's the one, always something. Yeah, I'm the one it. standing in, in Starbucks waiting to get my coffee. And oh my gosh, I'm so happy because I have a minute where I can respond to that text that someone sent me an hour mm -hmm. ago. Um, and not even just uh, things to do. I will fill it with, you know, worrying. Uh, anything that might be concerning, I start to let my mind wander. Yeah. And so I really just have started to understand that I am filling it with space. What I did not quite understand was how fruitful and beautiful it is if you start to fill that space with the person of Jesus and yeah, acknowledgement really of his presence. And so that is what I've started to get into. And, you know, uh, for me, I try really hard to start my morning with space. Um, currently, there's a podcast actually that, uh, for we're in like Lent season, which is forty yeah. days, and so this this church, it's called Bridgetown Church. It's amazing. They're they're doing a morning and an evening podcast, and oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and so uh, it's just kind of like a it, it's beautiful. There's space on it, and he prays a prayer and reads a psalm, and so you know I'm constantly trying my mornings to start with that, and also my evenings to end with something that's like that. And then during the day, I really am trying to be consciously aware of the presence of God and that everywhere I go, you know, he's with me and yeah. I can also sense his presence and be with him. Yeah, that's awesome. How do you think the modern digital age affects our ability to create space for God? It's ruining it. Yeah. Is there anything <laughs> that we can do to counteract it? Oh, yeah. Uh, that... Honestly, I, um, you know, it is such a like love hate because what technology has done. I mean, just think of alone the Apple phone, right? Yeah. There's so much good in it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and access we have that we didn't. I think that I am trying to start habits, and and John Mark Comer talks about this, and of putting my phone away. 
not accessing it until I first spend time in prayer, um, not making it be my alarm. I yeah, haven't done this really yet, good. but I want to do it. Yeah. Uh, get a physical alarm. What a concept. Where do you even buy that, Jerry? Uh, eBay. I don't know <laughs> if they make them anymore. <laughs> I have to go to eBay to look for one. But just the idea of, you know, because that it's it's a sneaky one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, It's for a sure. sneaky space filler that it seems neutral because it's the way in which I, you know, connect with my husband throughout the day or spend talk to my mom or uh, hear that my kid's sick at school. So it's yeah. it's not that it's all bad, but you can very quickly kind of numb yourself to it and think that it's necessary for you to have at all times. And uh, I think it's such a space filler that is, you know, very, very destructive, but we don't yeah, realize it's it. It's a default. It, it is for sure. So I'm trying to really start practices where it is down and it is away yeah, from me. That's really good. And that's a hard one to do. And I need to buy a physical alarm, but I want it out of my bedroom. Is your phone in your bedroom at night? Um, some nights, some nights I just leave it in the kitchen. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, so I'm routine, right? So like I, it's like a ritual to like plug it in and charge it and you know, all these things. And it's like a part of my bedtime routine in my yeah. room. And so therefore then it sits by my head yeah, at it's night. Right there. So, um, I'm trying to, yeah, start to move into maybe some of those practices where I would have quite a bit of distance and space from my Phone. One good thing is that my kids are my alarm, so I don't need to set an alarm because well, I know that, that they're going to come running in and wake me up when I need to get up. I'm so sorry. What's that time right now, by the way, Jared? When I get up? Yeah, like what, um, when are they running in? Anywhere between like 6.30 and 7.30. Okay. That's so, not horrible. You know, I'm not like an early riser. Yeah. That's like a medium you're, riser. Yeah, you're a medium. You're a night owl. <laughs> yeah, I am. I, yeah. I can stay up to My two. alarm is is about 520. Yeah, that's early for so, me. So I do need an alarm because no one in my house is waking <laughs> me up at that time, yeah. including my dog. So yeah. I have to be alarmed in order to get out of bed. I get that. Yeah. So my, um, my take is that society, as a society, we're moving towards an increasingly more difficult um, uh, lifestyle that makes it harder to have a relationship with God and to mm. live the life that God calls us to live. And I personally think that that's a crafted trajectory mm. that Satan is is directly mm. influencing. Interesting. Um, you know, he's not like sitting idly by as no. things happen. He, he has a legion of fallen angels that are strategically fighting a real war. Um, mm. And it's against us and it's against God. And that's why God gives us divine weapons to use against him and the forces of evil. Um, and some of those weapons being song, worship, the word, and prayer, which right. is why we're hitting on this so yes. hard in this season. Yeah. Uh, let me interject. That's so true. It's, it's, um, it, it would be silly of us to believe that as active as God is in the yeah. life, in our lives, um, that, Satan isn't also. Yeah, that's you know? very true. And so it's so true. It's like, uh, I, I agree that it seems like there are more and more distractions and it is harder and harder than it's ever been, uh, you know, to do some of the things that uh, we would say are integral to following Jesus and yeah. really 
um, having this robust faith life. And so, yeah, that's a great point. You drew a vivid parallel between winemaking and spiritual development. I did. Uh, Can you dive deeper into how you saw this parallel and how this analogy helps us understand the process of spiritual maturity? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I I mentioned this on Sunday. My husband and I, uh, we now go to Napa at least once a year, Napa, California. And uh, he actually, this is an interesting fact because this is hot off the press. Uh, He actually just started to... um, enter into being trained to be like a small a yeah really psalm. wow that's amazing so there's different levels yeah, and he's just tackling level one right now but he just started that it's all online that's like courses yeah. and trainings and and stuff and so anyways we yeah you know uh wine a beautiful wine i will say because there's terrible cheap wine but yep. a beautiful wine uh, there is an entire process that goes behind that. And when you're out in Napa, we have tried to find the smaller production wineries yeah. uh, a great chance. You know, we went in January and we sat our tasting. We got to to do it with the winemaker because he just happened oh, wow. to be That's in. Great. And so you start to hear their stories. And really winemakers, a lot of them are, are farmers and very knowledgeable about the grape and, you know, the the elevation and where it's at and all of these factors. And so, yeah, I um, I have started to really draw parallels between, you know, if you're a grape, a little grape, and you fall to the ground, which many do, uh, you are then a withered up little going to probably turn into a raisin. Yeah. And you're not what you were designed to be when you're connected to that branch that is connected to that vine. And so, you know, there's so many factors, of course, that go into a beautiful wine. And I think that's just like our spiritual lives. There's a lot of different factors that go into this robust, beautiful life that we can have with Jesus. Um, But, the if you if you foundationally aren't spending time with him connected to him just like if a grape is not connected to the vine then to be honest none of the other things matter yeah. right and so just like you aren't going to produce a beautiful wine with grapes that have been uh laying on the ground you're also not going to in my opinion produce this beautiful uh life of following Jesus and and becoming a disciple of his if you aren't just at a at a you know certain level connecting with him on a regular basis, yeah, that's powerful. Um, you mentioned the significance of abiding in Jesus mm-hmm. as opposed to merely just knowing the truths about him. Yeah, um, can you kind of elaborate on why that distinction is important to understand? Yes, uh, I when you abide in something the first word that comes to mind when I hear that word is, is I would say like rest. Yeah. So when I'm at the gym, I'm not abiding in the gym or at the gym. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. It's not a restful place for me. <laughs> it's not the purpose of it. Yeah. Now compare that to your home or uh, maybe a restaurant you go to that just certain feels a certain way has cozy vibes and you sit there and you're like, oh, I could just rest in this place. When I think of abiding, uh, that's what I think of. It's this like, it's a bit of a settled uh, perspective or settlement you might feel or rest you might feel or sense 
kind of like very aware, like I'm sitting in the presence of God, I'm abiding in Him. And as I talked about on Sunday, the whole idea of making your home in Him, when you think of your home, hopefully you think of a place that is comfort and warmth and all of these things that hopefully homes are. And safe. Yeah, and safe. And so the same idea goes for us to abide in the person of Jesus is to uh, feel at rest and at home and at peace with him. And so, you know, an exercise I've been trying to do is like go home and find myself in a chaotic situation, yeah. which is just dinner, getting ready to probably, we have to be out the door in 45 minutes. Somehow the neighbors are, you know, also out and about with our kids playing in the yard and the dog is barking at the FedEx man. And try to, in those moments, be able to abide in Jesus at the same time. Yeah. To be able to be in a total chaotic, you know, setting, but I have this inner peace. I have this acknowledgement of the presence of God where I'm able to sit and rest and go, well, that's all kind of cuckoo nuts right now. But my being and and how I feel on the inside is acknowledgement of who God is and I can rest in him while this is all going on. I'm trying to do that. And it's a, yeah. it's a practice. It is a practice. Yes, because it doesn't come at all naturally to me. <laughs> no. And why would it if you uh you it's know entered into thing. what I just yeah. <laughs> explained? But yeah, that that's a little bit on abide. Yeah, and we we have all these things that we naturally do abide in. Yes. Right? So, um you're talking about it's a process. Right. Do you have things that like prompt you to reorient the way that you're thinking about those situations? Have you actually like, mm-hmm. you know, thought about how to structure things so that it's easier for you to come to that place of acknowledging the presence of God in yeah, that moment? That 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 is the practice. What you're yeah. describing is figuring that out. Like I mentioned, I think that um, I think bookends are really good to your day, and even acknowledging. So I yeah, I, imagine it like a well, right? that we kind of have to go back to the person of Jesus and reorient ourselves. And then we have that water to get us through the next few moments. And so I'm trying really hard, like I said, to have these bookends. And then also something that I'm starting to do is to try to pray the Lord's Prayer at lunch. Oh, that's awesome. In that timeframe. It just kind of, you know, reorients you to that place. And so also I'm trying to be consciously aware of space and when I say that, I you know don't mean physical. I mean space and the time, or you know when I'm somewhere and I have just a moment, and my mind starts to wander, and I think of what I should be doing. I'm really, really trying to. It, it is really retraining, and in this book, he talks about like neuroplasticity and the ability for our brains to. They're more malleable than you think. They yeah. can be rewired and retrained, and so that is what I'm doing. Uh, it is a skill. Like yeah, it is sure. something that just like I don't know how to do certain movements at the gym. It's something that you develop, and you have to practice it in order to do it and to become, so to speak, a master of it. And so those are some of the yeah, little things really I'm good. doing right now. Yeah, and that's a that's a lifelong journey. It is. You know. Yep. So you can progress. But there's always more room to progress. Totally, after. yeah, for sure. Um, so, for me, I mentioned this in our staff meeting, but mm-hmm. something that I do um, that I've been doing somewhat recently is 
when I'm in the middle of something, I ask myself, who am I doing this for? Yeah, that's really good. So everything that I do is for a purpose, but it's also for God, right? So when I'm doing the dishes, I'm serving my wife and family, but I'm also doing this because I'm taking something that's disordered and putting order to it. Yeah, beauty and order to it, right? Yeah, and then it's the same with parenting. Like, who am I doing this for? I am doing it for my kids, but I'm also doing it to bring glory to God. So that's helped me orient the way that I think about all of these like tasks and everything that I'm trying to accomplish in yeah, my life. That's Who really, am I doing really it good. for? I might steal that. You can steal it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, just, I'll rent it to you. Yeah. $5 a month. <laughs> oh, jeez. I don't think you can do that, Jared. All right. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. Is there anything that you want to um, touch on that we, we haven't touched on? Yeah. Last comments I would say is that, you know, towards the end of my second kind of moment on Sunday, on our prayer Sunday was talking about contemplation. And the idea of that is, you know, it's like in order to abide and rest in Jesus, how do you do it? Yeah. And one of the the ways, if we're talking like, you know, the the ways of prayer is through this idea of contemplation and contemplation is really fixing your eyes and, and your gaze on the person of Jesus, um, figurative, figuratively speaking. And uh, I think that that is one of the most profound things that we can do because it's uh, it's the ability to sit and to not say anything yeah. and to not ask God of things, which is typically what we associate our prayer life with. Yeah, uh, But it's just to sit and it's just to acknowledge who he is. And as I mentioned on Sunday, I think very quickly, then you will, uh, you'll be welcomed into his presence of love specifically that he has for us. And it's really a wonderful thing to just sit and to acknowledge the love of God and what yeah. he has for you. And it makes you then want to abide in him. Yeah. Because you are familiar, you know, as you do it over time with his love. And so that's my uh, encouragement to everyone is to take some time and to to sit and to abide uh, and to contemplate how much God loves us because it's vast and it's incredible. And when we start to do that, I think it's, it's very difficult to not to want to be uh, more like him. Yeah, so, it, it changes you. Yeah, for sure. So Thanks for coming on the podcast I'll with me today. I'll be back, Jared. You will be back. Okay. I'll have you more often. Thank you. I'll I'm coming for you, for you Joel. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for everyone listening along as well and diving into this with us. Um, you know, as Carmen said, let's let's take some time and actually um, invest in thinking about what we abide in and what we are placing importance on. Um, let's be proactive and making sure that we make strides in reorienting our priorities um, the way that God asks us to. We have a new series coming up called The Ox, and Joel's going to be talking with us about the distinction between what separates an ox from all the other animals that could be an ox, and I'm super excited for that. So uh, we'll see you all next week as we cover part one of The Ox on the Rest.